Well, Lord, we just thank you for uh, what you want to do in our hearts today. Lord, we invite you in to move, to encourage us, Lord God, to challenge us, to speak to us directly today. Lord, we remove distractions and we put our attention upon you this morning, Jesus. Holy Spirit, let our ears be open to hear what you want to say to us today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. You can take a seat this morning. Welcome to City Church. Give our team an incredible hand. They're doing a great job this morning. Isn't it great to be together on a Sunday morning? Doesn't matter how wet it is. Here we are gathered on Summer Camp Sunday, and uh, I love to see the generosity of our church towards um, all of our incredible young people. And uh, as Hannah has already mentioned, at the end of the service, you can give um, up, up the back um, in, the, in the foyer area. There's opportunity for you to give and contribute uh, to buy 20,000 sausage sandwiches if you want to uh, and get, get the cake sale. There's no calories today. It doesn't matter. It's all forgiven because uh, it's fundraising. And, and so you can just give generously towards um, all of our incredible young people and help young people get involved, which will be amazing. Well, today we're going to continue our series on John, and today is our last segment of our series. We're going to be talking about John 21. I hope this series has blessed you so far and encouraged you. Uh, But you know, it says in John chapter 20, just before John chapter 21, the last few verses of John chapter 20 says, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. That's the whole reason for the book of John, that you would believe in Him and that you would have life in the power of the name of Jesus Christ. And it's a beautiful thing to know God, but then to know that you live with purpose and calling because what God has done in your life. See, Jesus was on a rescue mission for you and I to save us, to save our souls, to save us from our sins. Jesus came to do that. But then when we come to know Jesus Christ, we join that mission to go and to reach other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we need life in His name. We need to know Jesus. We need to believe in Him. But we need the power of life in His name to be able to live that life of calling and purpose that He has for each one of us. And so this morning, I've entitled the message, Where to Go From Here? Where to Go From Here? John chapter 21 is an incredible passage because... It's nestled in, in John here, and it's, it's explaining the story of what's happening on in the context of the day that the disciples had seen all these incredible miracles, and now Jesus has died on the cross, and He's rose again, and He's appeared to the disciples a couple of times, but they are in this in-between period where they don't know what's next. Jesus explained to them and, and, and said to them that, you know, great things are to come, that the Holy Spirit is to come. He's spoken to them about this, but yet they're in this waiting zone for this to happen. The New Testament church hadn't been formed and began like it was uh, talked about, which is about to happen in the book of Acts. They're in this in-between period. And it's interesting because in this moment, Jesus appears to His disciples for the third time since He's resurrected and begins to speak to His disciples. 
And when I think about this moment for the disciples, it's kind of a bit like with your GPS. You know with your GPS that you have to type in where you're going. But with your GPS, it already knows where you are. But the, the disciples in this moment, they, they knew where they were, but they didn't know where to type in where they were going into the GPS. They had no idea the address, the calling, where this was going to take them. They just knew that they were where they were right now, and they were thinking to themselves, we don't know where we're going. We don't know where this calling, this calling to be a disciple of Jesus Christ is going to take us. And I don't know whether you've ever felt like that in your life before, where it's like, I believe in Jesus. I love Jesus with all of my heart. I want to live this called life, but I don't know where I'm going. I think we've all felt like that at times because it's a faith journey. The direction is in Jesus. As we just connect with Him and allow Him to guide and direct our lives, it's a bit like when you get married. You've got married, you love this person, but you don't know where it's going to take you. You don't know the adventures that you're going to go on. You don't know the highs and the lows that you're going to journey through together. It's a bit like having a child. You have this child and then they, they say to you, all right, it's time to take this child home. And you think to yourself, oh, I ain't ready for that. I'm not ready to do that. Can I stay a few more weeks? Because you just don't know what to do. I was at a wedding yesterday and um, my uh, daughter, Georgia, who is six years old today, and we were at the wedding yesterday and I was holding her as the ceremony was taking place. And I was starting to think about the fact that one day she's going to get married. And, and, and I said to her, I said to her, are you going to get married one day? And she said, no, Dad. I said, good, you can live with me forever. And uh, I just gave her a hug and I said, let's remember this conversation, okay? But it's like, I don't know where the future's going to lead. I don't know what, some, what guy's going to come over and try and date my daughter. I don't know how this is going to all play out. I don't know whether I'm going to let him in my house or not. I'm not sure. But I don't know. I don't know where it's going to lead. I don't know what's going to happen. And it's, it's really like the calling of God for our life. It's a faith calling. We are to follow Him. And you know what? The, the, the reality that I've found with God is that you often don't know the bigger plan or where I'm going to end up in 20 years' time and every detail of the plan. God can sometimes be really light on the details. Have you noticed that? But all we need to do is just take the next step in obedience to Him. God, what are you saying to me next? The Bible says this, to follow Christ, to follow Jesus. He calls and invites us to follow Him. And in this moment, the disciples are feeling that. They're feeling that sense of going, I, I don't know what I'm meant to type into the GPS. I just know where I am right now. And in the midst of all of this, Jesus rocks up and begins to speak to his disciples. And so let's have a look at it in John chapter 21, verse 1. It says this, Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, which is what every guy does when he doesn't know what to do. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter said. And so they said, we'll go out with you. They obviously didn't really have many plans for that day. So they went out into the boat, but that night they caught absolutely nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, 
Haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your nets onto the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say this, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. He should have just walked on water like last time. The other disciples followed in the boat, uh, towing the net of fish behind, uh, for they were far from shore, about a hundred yards. There's an incredible moment that's taking place here where these guys that had been fishermen before Jesus had called them to be disciples and to be fishers of men, now are out fishing, but they can't catch fish. Very interesting. Verse 9 says, When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. And the death that Peter died was the death of resurrection. Just like Jesus on, the, on, on a cross. Verse 20 said, Peter turned and saw that the disciples whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the, at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is this to you? This is the disciple who, test- who, this is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know this testimony is true. Is John talking about himself? Verse 25, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them was written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would have been written. So what a powerful passage. We see here a whole bunch of significant moments. The moments where uh, these fish were caught miraculously. We see the reinstatement of Peter. As, a, as an apostle, as Jesus 
gently reinstates him. We see the prophecy of the way that Peter would die. And then we see Peter immediately begin to compare himself with John and ask, well, what about him? What about his calling? How's he going to, what's going to happen with him? And then this rumor starts that John's never going to die because of the way that Peter brought that up and the way that Jesus responded and said, what's it to you? And so there's a lot happening in this passage and you can tell that it's an awkward moment for the disciples. And so I want to look this morning at five reminders about your God calling that are really spoken to us out of this passage. And the first one's this, number one, that you are ineffective without Jesus. You are ineffective without Jesus. When it comes to your ministry and when it comes to your calling, let me just say this very clearly, you are ineffective without Jesus. The Bible says, abide in me and I in you, without me you can do nothing. It's very interesting to me that these men that were professional fishermen, that they go out and they fish all night and they cannot catch anything until Jesus rocks up on the shore and says, hey, listen, throw out the net on the other side. And then on the Word of God, they catch 153 large fish. But by themselves, they couldn't do it. To me, this seems like there's a reminder that's being, that's being given here in this moment that, hey, listen, your old life, the way that you were fishing and doing that, you can't even do that any longer without Jesus. You can't be effective. Jesus said to them, I'm going to teach you to become fishers of men. And here they are trying to catch this fish. And it takes Jesus to come and speak into the moment to remind them, hey, listen, I'm here. On my word, put, put the net over to the other side and you'll be able to catch these fish. To me, there's a big reminder taking place here that, hey, you're ineffective without Jesus, without His Word, without His direction, without your connection with Him. You'll be ineffective in your ministry. You'll be ineffective in your calling. You won't be living to the potential that God wants you to have if you don't have that connection with Him. Isn't it easy to be a believer that is on autopilot but to not have a vibrant, genuine connection with Jesus. You can imagine in this moment that Peter and the disciples were feeling a little bit disorientated. They were feeling a little bit perhaps disconnected, that they'd seen all these miracles take place, they'd seen Jesus rise from the dead, but then was probably feeling a bit strange in that moment where they were in this holding pattern, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, waiting for the church to be birthed. And Peter, I think, particularly personifies this because he is the guy that had betrayed Jesus three times before the rooster crowed, before Jesus had, had died. And he was feeling probably a level of guilt and confusion in this moment. Well, am I still meant to be one of these disciples that's, that's called, one of these apostles? Because I'm the guy that has denied Jesus three times I'm in this in-between period. I don't know whether I'm going to be chosen for the future. I don't know whether my calling has ended. I believe in Jesus. I know that He's true. I know that He's risen from the dead, but I don't know what that means for my life. So that's why He was just going, I'm going fishing. I don't know what to do. And He's here in this moment. But Jesus is coming into that moment and He comes into this story. And I love about this story that Jesus reminds the disciples straight away, hey, Listen, you, you're ineffective without me. Your ministry and your calling will not be successful, will not be effective without Jesus in it. 
And it's a great reminder to you and I. See, when we look at fish in the Bible, as I said before, Jesus said to the the disciples when he first called them, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Fish are used so many times in the Bible to remind us of the supernatural power of God. To remind us that when God enters the situation, things change. We see the disciples are called to be followers of fish, and that they were fishermen, and then God says, hey, come and be fishers of men. We see the feeding of the 5,000, which Jesse just so clearly articulated this morning around the giving. The two fish were used in five loaves to feed over 5,000 people in this story of multiplication. We see the same kind of story in the feeding of the 4,000. We see the fish are used when Jesus... Um, says someone comes to Jesus and says you've got to go and pay your taxes and Jesus says well go out put it put put out the net and you're going to catch a fish and in its mouth is a gold coin and they come back and they pay Jesus's taxes with that supernaturally this fish is used we see that Jesus uses the story of Jonah to be in a belly of, of a fish for three days is an illustration of the resurrection the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ we see so many times in scripture that fish are used to remind us of the power of God. And I think in this moment here, we are seeing with the disciples that, hey, listen, your life in Christ is different. Your calling is not just a natural calling. You're not meant to just go out and do this on your own, on your own personality and your skill and on the experience of what you've watched. Your ministry and your calling flows out of your relationship with Jesus. You're ineffective without Him. And I think in this moment, they are being reminded that, hey, your effectiveness comes from your connection to Jesus and being obedient to Him. It's amazing how we can follow Jesus, be in church, be connected around Jesus, be around a whole bunch of believers, but our connection to Him can actually drift and we can find ourselves doing things on autopilot. See, what I've always found is that our our calling... It starts with the small steps, the small steps of prayer, of reading the Word, of serving God, of loving people, of being obedient to the prompts of God. It's those small things, just like the loaves and the fishes, that can turn out to be some of these most miraculous signs. For for the disciples here, it was the smallness of saying, hey, listen, someone has just shouted to me about putting the nets out over to the other side. If I just be obedient to that, on the other side of it is an incredible miracle. Now, they didn't know that in the moment. They just faithfully listened to the voice of God and they moved the nets over to the other side. It would have seemed ludicrous to them. But their effectiveness to listen to the voice of God made this miracle take place and this incredible moment and this incredible story unfolded because of their connection to Jesus. Can I remind you this morning, you're ineffective without Jesus. When it comes to your calling, we must be connected to Him. The second thing in the story is this, you are made for communion with God. I love in this story that Jesus performs this miracle. He tells the disciples to come over to the other side uh, and put their nets out. And then He's, he's yelling at them from the, sea sh- uh, the, the, the shore. And then He invites them to come and have breakfast with Him. It's almost like Jesus sets up this whole miracle so that His disciples could sit down and have a meal with Him. And I think, isn't that such a Jesus thing to do? That He actually desires for us to have communion with Him, 
to be connected with Him, to have relationship with Him, to sit and have a meal with Jesus. What a beautiful picture of the love of God. You know, you would think in this moment that Jesus would be coming in and going, all right, guys, get ready. This is what's going to happen. This is what the future looks like. You know, you need to get yourself ready. Come on. But no, Jesus takes all the stress out of that moment. He takes all the stress out of the future and just reminds them, hey, that your calling is central to having communion and connection with Jesus. There's no pressure here. There's no striving here. There's a sense that you are made for relationship. There wasn't a rush in this picture. Jesus wasn't trying to get them to quickly go to somewhere else. Jesus was just explaining to them very clearly, hey, it's time to have a meal together. It's time to sit and have a moment together. I love that Jesus does that. I love that he creates this sense of connection. I love what it says in Hebrews 4 verse 16. It says, Therefore let, our, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. It's like Jesus is saying in this moment, Hey, listen, grace is here for you. Peter probably felt ashamed. He probably felt awkward. He probably felt like he was about to get hit over the head from, from, from Jesus. He wasn't sure that what, what was going to happen. But Jesus invites him in. Let's have breakfast together. Let's have a meal on the shore here. It really tells us about the heart of God. The third thing this morning is this, that you are called by God. We see in John 21 verse 15 that Jesus starts to speak to Peter. And three times he asks Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And each time Peter responds, yes, I do. You know I do. And there's a sense of frustration in in Peter here because he wants Jesus to know, hey, listen, I love you. I want to serve you. I want to live this cold life that you've, 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 you've set aside for me. But I just feel like, Jesus, you're not believing me here. And it's beautiful this moment, I think, because the three times that, that uh, Peter betrayed and denied Jesus, and then three times that Jesus asks him, do you love me? It's like he's trying to replace that and restore that bad memory with a good one to be reminded, hey, yes, I do love you. And also, you're called. I love what Jesus says, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. The do you love me part is about relationship. The feed my sheep part is about responsibility. And in this moment, he's saying, Peter, well, I want relationship with you, but I also want you to understand, hey, you're called. You're saved in relationship with me, but you're also called. You have relationship with me, yes, but you also have a responsibility. You have a calling that I have put on your life. I'm reinstating you for the call of God. Can you imagine the intensity of this moment? As within the story, there's a story. The disciples are here having breakfast together, and then there's this intense conversation that is taking place between Jesus and Peter. I was walking through Glenmore Park uh, just the other day with my family, and we were walking along. And uh, as we walked along, there was this, this guy that was kind of coming towards us, on the pathway and uh, he was looking at me and he was looking at our kids and immediately I got a really bad vibe from this guy 
And uh, Amy was standing next to me and she was just talking. She's like, oh, what are we going to do for dinner tonight? And she's going on about it. And, and in the middle of, that, in the middle of that, that moment, I'm looking at this guy and this guy's looking at the kids and then he looks up and he's looking at me. And we're having this kind of really intense staring kind of contest that's taking place between me and this random guy who I'd never met before. And I'm getting a really bad vibe from him. And so I'm looking at him, he's looking at me, he's looking at the kids, and then I'm looking straight back at him, straight at his eyes. And so Amy's going, oh, what are we having for dinner? And, and like, and he's talking like she has no idea what's going on. I'm looking at this guy, he keeps walking towards me and he just keeps staring. And he's going like this and I'm staring at him. And we got really close to each other and we stared past. Amy's still talking. Oh, I'm thinking we could have pasta. I'm going to think we'd have this. So she's got no idea what's going on. And, and then so then he, we kind of get to that point where we're going past each other and he kind of turns and looks and I kind of turn and look. And so now we've stopped. They're still walking. Well, I've stopped. He's stopped. We're both still looking at each other with this weird, intense look. I'm like, are we going to fight? I don't know what's going on here. This is very strange. Um, and he kind of keeps walking by. And I mean, he was gone for another... 20 meters up the road and we were still both stopped looking at each other it was one intense stare off I'm like something weird is going on here I don't know what is going on next minute literally okay I'm like all right I've turned I'm gonna keep walking I'm like well that was weird and Amy's like what was weird and I'm like are you serious (laughs) that's just like we're about to fight like something's going on here anyway this literally like five seconds later this guy goes was there a guy up here this guy runs up, was a guy, yeah, he's gone that way. And then no word of a joke, three police cars come flying in, lights and sirens, and they're like, where did the guy go? And I'm like, oh, he's just gone down there. And they come in and they tackle him to the ground, and I'm like, he's done something crazy. And he's like, what do you think's going on there? And I'm like, don't you know what's going on in the story? We're about to have a fight, something's going on here. And, uh, and, and she's just got no idea what's happened. Well, I kind of feel like in this moment here, this is what's happening between Peter and Jesus. This is intense conversation. The other disciples are just eating their breakfast, doing their thing, having a laugh, doing all that kind of stuff. And Peter and Jesus are having a real intense moment. And it's an intense moment because Peter is being reinstated. He's being restored in this moment by Jesus. He's being reminded you are saved and called. He's being reminded that your calling uses your past, but it doesn't leave you there. And even though Peter would feel so guilty that he betrayed Jesus, that he'd messed up, that he'd made mistakes, Jesus is saying, hey, that's part of your story, but that's not the end of your story. And the beauty of the gospel for all of us is that we are all sinners saved by grace. We all have a past, we all have a story, but God chooses chooses to use that in the beauty of his story of the gospel. That our weaknesses and our failures can be used by Him. And it reminds us that you and I, we are called by God. We are set apart. It doesn't matter about our past. We are called by God. Number four, the fourth thing we want to say this morning is your calling will cost you. It goes on this, in this passage where Jesus speaks to Peter and He speaks specifically about the death that Peter would have. And many scholars believe that the way that Peter died was on a cross upside down. And that's quite a painful death, a martyr's death for his following of Jesus Christ. And he says in this moment, this is what's going to happen to you, Peter. But then he invites him at the end of that, he says, follow me. 
And I think about that when it comes to Peter's life. He, he, he knew from the start here, this is where it's going to end up. I don't know where it's going to take me through the years to come, but I know where it's going to end up. And there was an understanding that Peter knew that my calling, my God calling is going to cost me. And I guess I wanted to remind us this morning that even in this 21st century church, your calling will cost you. Your calling will cost you some awkward conversations. Your calling at times will cost you your pride. Your calling at times is going to cost you time. Your calling at times is going to cost you a sense of sacrifice. It's going to cost you to step out in faith, to overcome some fear. The calling of God in your life is going to take you out of your comfort zone. And you may not be dying a martyr's death like Peter did, but there will be moments where your faith requires of you to jump out of the comfort zone, into the uncomfortable zone, to follow Jesus and to follow your God-given calling. And it should. If it's always comfortable, if it's always easy, well then I question whether we're living that called kind of life. Because... We are meant to be salt and light. We are meant to be different in a world that is so dark. We are meant to stand out. Our behavior, our values, the way we live, the way we speak, the way we respond to people, it should be different in this world. By nature, we should be weird. We should be standing out because of our behavior and because of our connection to Jesus Christ. And so your calling, it will cost you. And finally, this morning, your calling is unique. I love what it says here in verse 20. It says, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? You must follow me. He speaks to Peter. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that the disciples would not die, this, that this disciple would not die. And I think about Peter in this moment. He's been called, he's been reinstated by Jesus. He's been reminded that he's got a God-given calling. He's been reminded about the sacrifice of that calling and where it's going to lead. And in that moment, the first thing that Peter responds, and this is such a thing that we would do in our humanity, is what about him? What about his calling? What about him? What's going to happen with him? Is he also going to die like that? Is he going to live that kind of life like that as well? In our human nature... I find it so interesting that we are so enamored with everybody else's calling, but not our own. We can see all the greatness in everybody else, but often not in ourselves. We can see all the gifting, all the personality, all the talent, all the God anointing in those people that are around us. And we can be so inquisitive about others, but miss out on what God has for us. And I think this passage is a real great reminder to us that, hey, we're not called to just live comparing our lives all the time. Comparison can kill calling. If we just keep focusing on everybody else, instead of focusing on what God has called me to do, then we can really miss it. We can miss the whole story. A few years ago, I remember playing, you know, with my nieces. And as I was playing, you know, the greatest card game on earth... I realized that I could see her cards in the reflection of the glass behind her. 
she's only 13 at the time or something like that. And so I thought, well, I know exactly every move she's about to make before she makes it. She's got to draw four there, but I'm going to end this before she gets to that. And so I would just look at the reflection on the doors and in the mirrors. I could see, I could see the cards. And so I made every move before she could make her move. And it got me thinking about the fact that, number one, I'm a pastor. I probably shouldn't do that. (laughs) And number two, that's what happens when we compare. We start to cheat. We start to cheat ourselves when we're comparing with this person and that person and that person and that person. We cheat ourselves from what God's called us to do, what He's put on our cards, what He's written for our life, that you have a purpose and a calling. Just like Peter had this restored for him, he didn't need to keep worrying about what John was called to, what the other disciples were called to. Hey, Peter, you have a unique calling. Imagine if Peter continued to live like that where he never followed his calling he just kept chasing everybody else's we'd be missed out with some of the most incredible stories in the bible peter when he was just who he was meant to be he was that guy that would just take a risk step out on the water and walk on water he was that guy that would get up out of nowhere days earlier had betrayed jesus the next minute he's getting up and preaching and three thousand people got saved he was this disciple that would live with so much faith and enthusiasm for Jesus that he would see miracle after miracle. He was this guy that lived this fearless life because he chose to live the calling God had for him. But gee, what a tragedy if we'd missed out on the story of Peter because he tried to be John or he tried to be one of these other disciples. And I think for, for you and I, when it comes to our life, we all have a calling. We all have a purpose and a destiny. And yeah, we don't know exactly all the details of where it's going to lead. But can I just remind you this morning that God has a unique calling for you. God has things in mind for you. Good works that He set out for you. You have a family. You have a friendship group. You have a workplace. You have gifts and talents and abilities. You have experience. You have anointing that God has uniquely emplaced in you so that you can be an influencer for Him in ways that the person sitting next to you cannot do. It's inside of you. And so can I encourage you today to take the calling and the purpose of God that He's given you and say, God, I don't know where this is going to take me. I don't know how this is going to outwork. But God, I just am choosing to follow you for the next step, the next conversation on Monday that opens up, that you just give me the faith to speak even though it's going to cost me something, to be uncomfortable for a moment, to speak into it, that you give me the faith and the tenacity to be able to to be courageous, even when I feel fearful, to follow this calling, which is ultimately following you, Jesus, and your prompts in my life, that I would then become the person that you're calling me to be. We started with this this morning. I want to finish with it. It says again in John 20, just before we this passage, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of His disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. That you may follow that life and that calling that He has uniquely given you. 
and pursue it with everything that you have got. Would you stand with me this morning, church? Remember this morning, you're ineffective without Jesus. You are made for communion with God. You are called by God. Your calling will cost you. And your calling is unique. Lord, this morning, I thank you that we are saved, but we are also called. Every one of us has a God-given calling that is found in you. And I pray this morning, Lord Jesus, that we would live out of that place that even when we look at the GPS and we don't know what to type in, I just pray that we would connect with you, God, and that you would show us what the next step is. Show us how to be obedient to you. Show us how to live and follow you as you're calling us to as a disciple of Jesus. Understanding, God, that you've uniquely gifted and called each one of us. And I pray that you give us the faith and the courage to understand that at times it's going to cost us, but to take those steps forward anyway. And that we would be people that are both saved and called by your purpose. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You know, this morning as we close, I don't know where you stand with Jesus. But I do know this, that Jesus has a plan and a purpose for your life and it all starts with the relationship with Him. And as we know Him, we begin to know ourselves better, we begin to know our plan and our purpose for our lives better, but it all starts with that connection with Him. And so this morning, if you don't have that relationship with Jesus or you feel far in your relationship with Jesus, in these next few moments, we're going to just worship and I'm going to invite you, why don't you pray a simple prayer? Just in your heart, however you want to pray it. Dear Lord Jesus, invite, invite Him in. Come into my heart. I'm sorry for my mistakes and sins. I receive your love and forgiveness. I want to know you personally. I want to be connected with Jesus Christ. And I believe that that will be a life-changing decision as you find life in His name and live the kind of life that starts and ends with relationship with Jesus. So we're going to worship together this morning before we close.